so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So it's really hard to explain the moves that the economists do, like with the Federal Reserve, to try to protect the U.S. economy through what's a very difficult recession that we're in with an unknown end. But the Federal Reserve has done everything it could to try to prevent us from having the economy spiral. And there's only so much they can do, but they've done something that is very risky recently because of worries that the U.S. economy is seeing, starting to see an increase in significant layoffs again. So the Federal Reserve announced that they are not for now going to worry about one of their main jobs, which is to protect the economy from inflation. For the last couple of generations, we've been able to know that a dollar in our pocket is going to continue to have good purchasing power moving forward. Well, Federal Reserve right now is more worried about the possibility of an increasing number of people losing jobs and losing them permanently. There have been a number of announcements just in the last week of large permanent layoffs. Coca-Cola, one of the world's largest companies, announcing they're going to lay off thousands of employees permanently. And various airlines announcing layoffs of 20,000 or more workers per airline as the slowdown in air travel does not show an end. And in fact, slowdown in air travel, every time there's a jump in the cases of coronavirus, the number of people willing to travel declines. So as long as we deal with a pandemic that's not under control, we're going to see these layoffs. So the Federal Reserve, in lack of an agreement about how to uh, prop up the economy in the political side of Washington, is doing what it can, and by holding interest rates extra low for extra long, hopes to be able to keep the economy doing better than it would do otherwise. The problem with this, and we've already seen some of this, is savers are getting their clocks cleaned. I mean, you think about it, the reward for saving your money is ridiculously low right now in what you can earn on your savings. You know, at traditional banks with branches, you're earning essentially 0% on your money. Even if you go to an online bank, what you can earn is maybe a third of what it was a year ago. And so people who normally would be rewarded for thrift and saving money are not being rewarded as part of the Federal Reserve's plan to hold down rates. On the other hand, people who are borrowers will continue to benefit from this particularly on shorter-term kind of borrowing like vehicle loans. But if investors start to worry that inflation in the future would make the value of loan payments you would make to them less valuable, 
then longer-term interest rates may eventually go up with what the Federal Reserve is doing. But for right now, rates of all kinds, mortgages, anything, are low. The other thing is that the Federal Reserve doing what it's doing now can have a tendency to cause stock values to be abnormally high, and meaning that, that the value of what you have in the stock market will be larger than it would be if the Federal Reserve was not trying to manipulate interest rates in the marketplace so much. There's always unintended consequences of extreme moves by the Federal Reserve. The one that I hope doesn't happen is inflation. And so far on that front, in spite of the Federal Reserve saying it's not going to worry about inflation, so far on that front, we are still A-OK. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate asking your questions. And Kim, who do you have? This is from Chris in North Carolina. Chris says, you always talk about your treadmill desk, and I found an article on the website, but the one that you used to recommend can no longer be bought. Can you recommend a different treadmill desk for me? Oh, So treadmill desks are so hard to find now it's not quite impossible but close and a lot of sellers who are selling them or inflating the price or not even taking your money and not delivering the goods you gotta be very very cautious buying any treadmill desk i i love a treadmill desk you know you walk and you work at the same time you walk about 1.2 to 1.5 miles an hour and it's an amazing fitness program, but as an alternative, if you can't find one, you can buy a thing that allows you to have a standing desk. A standing desk is not as good as a treadmill desk, obviously, but if you can't even find a standing desk, there are these adapters you can buy that go on a regular desk that adjust height and will allow you to stand and work at the same time. And those things are very cheap, typically 20 to $50 for those. But if you really want a treadmill and you can't find a treadmill desk and you want to be able to work at it, there are treadmills available without arms. And so all you do is you look around for, you can look on Amazon or various fitness sites for treadmills no, without arms, and those can go under an existing desk, and you can have the equivalent, not quite as good as a truly ground-up treadmill desk, but it'll get the job done, and it will be a cheaper alternative. You know, uh, I, Karis, who runs ClarkDeals.com, has talked about the frustration for them with a lot of items that are in inordinate demand right now, like the treadmill desk, regular desk, the Chromebooks, all that. We're just in a time right now where there are shortages of these items because the pivot to so many people working at home or schools being at home. But if you buy an armless treadmill, you're going to find that those should be around, oh, typically around $300 more or less that can go under a desk you already have. Joel? Clark Sierra in Alaska says, we made some rather not great choices when we were first starting out in our credit journey. Now we're trying to rebuild so we can buy a house. 
We saw an app, app called Self. Supposedly, you pay them a payment and you end up earning money and credit history. Uh, is this a good way to pay off our debt or should we make arrangements with the collection agency ourselves? Also, I wanted to let you know we've paid off almost $3,000 in debt so far with help from your advice. Well, congratulations on that. And yes, self is something that uh, I've been watching for a while. I've answered questions about it in the past. The idea is that you lend them money and then they lend you money and they report it to the credit bureaus is basically what you're doing. You're putting money on deposit with them and then you're paying them on a loan and then they report positive payments to the credit bureau as a way to set up some good credit history on your part. Um, Something you said, and Joel, read that sentence again, if you would, please, about working with a collection agency. What's that part of it? Yeah, so I think they, they maybe were a, a touch confused about how self works and um, that they're wondering if that's a good way to pay off their debt when that's not really what sells for. It's for building up your credit. And, right. Or should they make arrangements directly with the collection agency? So if you still have a debt in collection, you need to get that either time works for you, seven years it falls away, or you need to reach an agreement with them in writing on paying whatever money will satisfy that debt. And then when you pay that, that item will still exist on your credit report, but will show no outstanding balance. But be careful with any older debt, particularly something five or six years old. If it's just been a bad debt all that time, if you make a payment, it may refresh that item and the remaining balance the collection agency may be able to sue you against where almost certainly you're outside statute of limitations on it. Know that the clock, when you've had bad payment history in the past, the clock's your friend because at seven years, all those negative marks disappear. Self and other things like it are really about establishing a good payment record going forward, but does not address the problems with payments in the past. Kim? Elaine in California says, Clark, you've gotten me on board with Roth IRA for retirement now. How do I convince my 27 and 31-year-old kids to do it? They're really into the idea of a tax-deferred IRA since they see so much of their income going to taxes already. I heard once that a Roth IRA can be used for a first-time home purchase. If this is true, that would be a big incentive for them. Yeah, so... At face, you can use 10000 of a Roth for a first-time home purchase, but that's just within the clear rules. You also, at any time for any reason, can pull money out of a Roth as long as you leave your earnings behind and only pull out contributions. There's no tax consequence for that. So the Roth offers much more flexibility, but here's the big selling point for your kids. Tax rates today are unusually low by historical standards, and we're running these big budget deficits. There's no doubt that in the future, no doubt, we're going to have higher tax rates, no matter who wins election cycles. And that's why you want to be in Roth IRAs, where you're giving up the upfront tax benefit for the fact that later on, you're not going to have to worry about where tax rates may fall. Joel? 
Clark Jim in South Carolina says, in the past, you've indicated that the mail submitted tax forms were not being processed because of COVID. Is there any update on whether or not the IRS has started to process mailed-in tax forms for refunds? Yes, they are processing mail. They're just behind. And that's why people are going to get interest payments from the IRS for them being late and processing those filings. And I guess that's the good news of the bad news. Taylor is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Taylor. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? I'm good. So you are somebody who's really, really serious about making good decisions with your money and doing it from the get-go with your work career. Yep. Yep. I'm uh, looking to uh, get some advice on saving. All right. So tell me your story. So I am 22. I just graduated this past May, and I'm starting my full-time job. I don't have any student loans. I'm looking to start a Roth IRA soon, but what I'm really curious about is having different savings accounts or what I should do with the money for different purchases. So you mean like um, uh, having... First, a rainy day account, and then for goals you have for different kinds of things to buy? Right, yeah. So to have a rainy day account, and then what am I supposed to do with money I'm saving for, say, a car? So I like for you, since it's so easy to have these online savings accounts, I like for you to have individual savings accounts for different purposes that you Um, at your place of work, if they use an automated payroll service, which most people use, you will have the ability to set up automatic savings every month or every pay period where you take a certain amount of money and it builds your rainy day account and a certain amount of money that goes into an account to build up money towards buying a vehicle. If you have an intention of buying a home, Um, Once you have some cushion in that rainy day account, add another savings account specifically for down payment for a home. That I find that when people co-mingle who are savers, when they co-mingle all their funds, it's hard for them to keep it clear which money's for what and what purpose. And you need a roadmap. You know you're going to need six months of living expenses in a rainy day account to have a really rock solid one. And then you build up your money for uh, buying a car, your money for down payment for a house. And with them being dedicated to those purposes, it's really clear how you're doing and you're more motivated to get money into those. Awesome. Great. Uh, Do you have a recommendation of where to open these savings accounts? You know, I'm pretty much um, fine with any of the online banks or a credit union, although you may earn more on your savings these days at an online bank than a credit union. But it's really, really easy. I mean, these things are fee-free. You go online, you set up one, and just uh, most of them it takes less than five minutes to set one up. You link it to your checking account that you have, at a credit union or a bank or whatever, or you can even do your banking with one of the online banks. And then you very simply have more than one savings account 
and a checking account all at the same online bank. The reason I love the online banks is there are no fees, no minimums, no gotchas generally with any of the online banks. One thing I don't want you to do at a bank or credit union is open your Roth IRA at one of them. Roth accounts need to be opened with the low-cost discount brokers or the low-cost commission-free mutual fund companies. Any of those are fine, and banks and credit unions are great to have money that you need in your checking account and savings or CDs. They're not a good place at all to have money for your long-term for retirement. And continued success to you, Taylor. Congratulations for focusing on your future at 22. Great to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Now, we've had an unusually bad luck, bad series of uh, problems involving coronavirus in the United States, the spread, the number of people who've had it, and sadly, the number of people who've died in the U.S. And we've been kind of lost in the dark how to deal with it in the United States. And it's been a, a lost situation, unfortunately. Then you throw into the mix something that is just a terrible thing. It was reported in Bloomberg that a lot of companies have imposed gag rules on employees who have tested positive. So an employee who tests positive at a lot of companies are not allowed to tell their coworkers. And this is this is really terrible. Think about the exposure, particularly with a public-facing business, exposure to customers, potentially, fellow workers. According to various complaints filed, workers at Amazon have been told that they are under a gag order and can't tell anybody. Um, McDonald's, Target. Uh, company after company, man, this is a long list of companies that have told their employees, as one company said, please refrain from notifying others on your own about any COVID symptoms or diagnoses. Now, this, if really true as company policy, is unreal. I can imagine There are individual managers who have told people to not say anything, but I would be very surprised if any company, as company policy, has told employees that they cannot mention to a fellow worker who might be at risk. As one person said in this Bloomberg story, what about one of my fellow employees who has young kids who might be at risk. Uh, Somebody else talked about having an elderly mom nearby. I mean, this is irresponsible and dangerous that any company would think it's okay to tell employees to shut it up 
and not tell anybody that they tested positive and that no customers would know. There's a restaurant that I do curbside pickup at that the other day was closed and they had a sign on the door that said uh, they had had a customer test positive who was a regular customer and in order to protect employees and fellow customers that they were doing a thorough cleaning and were closed for the day and would reopen the next day. I really appreciated that because they were just laying it out there, telling what the problem was and telling me what they were doing to protect me and others, the employees and customers. And that's the right way to handle this. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Kim, who do you have a question from? This is from Kevin in Virginia. Kevin says, I'm thinking about getting into buying pallet goods. I don't have any idea how to start or who to trust. And I'm wondering if you have any information. All right. First, why don't I explain what this is? Um, The generic term, what it means is that major retailers, most often is who this applies to. It could also apply potentially to a trucking company, uh, anything like that. They have goods that in some way are damaged or for whatever reason not sellable to an end customer. They dispose of them. And there are people who specialize is basically like salvagers that buy these items in large quantities, sometimes by the truckload, as the poster described by the pallet load. And you then have to rehab those items and have channels to sell them back into the marketplace. This is an area that is one that people get into who have great experience in a segment of salvage, whether it could be a particular kind of electronics or consumer good or clothing or whatever it is. They have a specialization and knowledge of that area. It's not for people who just kind of happen into it as something to do when i've only been asked this question i think one time and it was probably about 10 years ago during the great recession but if this is something you're interested in go work for a company that does this is how they earn a living learn how the business works learn how you find the contacts And then see if it's even something you want to do. But without that knowledge base and the expertise, it's too hot to handle. Joel? Clark McDermott in Florida says, what's the best deal for cell phone service for two people who are over the age of 65? Well, the age being over 65 creates an interesting thing. It depends on how much data you use and whether or not you're using a fair amount of data, that changes the answer. But I will tell you that there's one company that has been extremely popular with an older audience, and that's Consumer Cellular. They have, year after year, the highest ratings for customer service and customer satisfaction in the cell phone industry Their plans are definitely not the cheapest. And again, they're geared towards people who use a more modest amount of data. But they 
offer plans where you pick one line, two line, whatever, and their typical plan for two people is about $25 a month more or less per person. There are also discounts that are available for members of AARP. But for someone who's a very modest user of a cell phone, if that's really what you mean by being 65 plus, then for a modest user, the best deal at all, of all is the one from Boost Mobile that is either $10 a month or $15 a month with unlimited talk and text and, a again, a modest amount of data, but a fair amount more than you get with Consumer Cellular and at a lower price. If you're a high-volume user, look at the 55-plus plan from T-Mobile that gives you unlimited data and a lot of other things thrown in that is $35 a month per line for two, $70 a month, and that's all in, no junk fees, and is a great plan for a high-volume user once someone's passed their 55th birthday. Kim? Tom in Wisconsin says, what are your thoughts on buying a complete solar system from Alibaba? They sell everything you need to do a house and they sell it for cheap. I can install it for myself and I know this is unique. And as such, I'm afraid to take the gamble on the order. Is this something that you would do? No way on earth because I have no ability to do anything for myself. All right, so the Alibaba angle... They're a huge, huge Chinese retailer, and most solar panels in the world are made in China, and China has uh, done such a good job with making solar panels and reducing the cost and efficiency of them that panels cost a tenth of what they cost maybe 10 years ago. And so if you are someone who's really, really capable of doing things yourself, You're not afraid of being around electricity and having to hook the solar panels into your electrical system of your house. And you want to try this. Um, Gosh, how many other red flags can I throw up? You can go for it. And it is something that I think of as something that requires an experienced, knowledgeable installer to do. But if you have the confidence to give it a try, buy a smaller number of panels first see if you can make it work if you can then again panels are so cheap you can easily add panels into your system once you have it wired in and set up but you're a lot more courageous than i am joel clark stephanie in georgia says i'm trying to figure out if any of the the online sites like quicken loans or or can you find a good lender online for a mortgage like what are the pros and cons of going online well actually for a refi going online is a great idea and you can go to essentially as many lenders as you want in a short period of time when when your credit report is analyzed and a score is calculated it's expected nobody's trying to buy 5 10 or 15 homes and taking out mortgages all at once so all mortgage applications in a short window are treated as if there's just one inquiry so you don't have to worry going to multiple lenders and it's really a smart idea to do so especially for a refi with a mortgage for a new home your home you're buying rather than one you're refining 
I have a bias towards local lenders, but I'm not necessarily right on that. I just like that. But getting multiple quotes in either case is key. Most buyers of a home tend to only go to one mortgage lender, and I can tell you with certainty you're overpaying for your mortgage if that's all you go to. With a refi, the more the merrier for sure online and not online. Kim? Noelle in North Carolina wants to know, how long should I be keeping closing papers after the purchase or sale of a house? Uh, Till after you have sold that home and you've calculated any tax obligation that might come from selling that home. So you keep the closing papers for the buying and selling. The reality is once you've bought the house and later you've sold it and you've done the tax part of it, keeping those papers going forward, not really that important. Victor is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Victor, you have turned something that was a joy into your life, surprisingly, into income in your life. Tell me about that. It's true. Before I outline my question, I've got to say that in a time when it pays to be loud, divisive, and sensational, you remain a rare bastion of fairness and reason. So thank you. That's my poetic way of saying thank you for being boring. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) So I have a hobby of making cooking videos on YouTube and, um, it's turned into some serious income. I can outline all of the numbers for you in the way that they compete with each other, uh, if that helps. Uh, sure. So I make $80,000 a year at a normal W-2 job. I also make $2,000 a month in rental income for a house I just started renting out a few weeks ago. Already maxed out my HSA and Roth IRA, plus 15% into a Roth 401k with a 6% employer match. So the twist is that my YouTube channel has started generating serious, albeit wildly inconsistent income. Sure. It generates anywhere between $3,000 and $7,000 a month. And no way, no way. It so does. you're it's generating somewhere between forty dollars and $80,000 a year from a side thing you do just for fun? I know. It's, it's uh, very lucky. Wow. And if this wasn't complicated enough, I'm also getting married in October to someone who also has an $80,000 a year W-2 job. So um, I've spent the past couple of years slowly trying to fire, but everything that I know is based around normal people with normal W-2 jobs. And so suddenly I don't know if my LLC needs to become an S-corp or if I need a SEP or solo 401k. I'll be able to write off a ton of income after purchasing new and expensive video production equipment this year. But come 2021, I could easily be disqualified for most of my current early retirement strategy due to unpredictable income. So... What okay, is your Solomonic so wait, assessment wait, you're getting so form? far you're getting so far ahead of yourself here. All right, so let let's go back to the fact that these are all good problems to have. Absolutely. So you're not going to make yourself ineligible in any way to participate in that um, in that Roth 401k. You're good on that, even if combined income after you get married puts you ineligible for Roth IRA, you're still eligible for your 401k regardless of your income. So you're good on that. Both of you will be good on that. Um, As far as the money from the rental home, that's great. That's additional money towards your goal of financial independence. As far as the money you're earning from your, uh, your videos, the 40 to 80 grand a year, you will be able to set up potentially a separate retirement plan known as a SEP for it. 
simplified employee pension. And okay. that you're able to put roughly 20, little less than 25% of the earnings from it each year, you're able to shelter. Now, it'll be a pre-tax shelter, so it will reduce your effective income, but it creates a bit of a ticking time bomb that the money in that SEP will ultimately be taxable, you know, when you spend it much later in life. Still worth it because with the picture you drew, you and your bride-to-be are going to be in an income tax bracket where you're going to be... be glad you're able to defer some income potentially with what you have on the table. So I see no problems here. I see only great things. Understood. So uh, any is there any um, reason to change the LLC into an S corp? I don't really understand the ins and outs. No, I don't see. I don't know any up. reason with anything you're doing that you need to go from a limited liability company to an S corp. I mean, one thing you should do with the variable income you have and the financial situations you've described, you've reached a point in your life that having a CPA who does tax involved in your life would be a good idea. Okay. Do you have anybody like that yet? I do. So that individual would be able to give you some guidance from the accounting side, the tax side, but I can't think of a reason why there would be a value in you going from an LLC to an S. And I think the fact that you are generating so much income with a goal of being able to have financial independence and potentially retire early someday, listening to you and talking to you, i got to tell you something. Victor, I think you're only into the FI. I don't think you're into the RE because you have so much energy in you and you love working, I think it'll really be about you being able to do the work you want to do, not not working at all. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.